The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV, series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the original animated series episode, Once Upon a Planet. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hey, Father Cory. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called Raising the Bets. It's a show I do with my wife, Melanie, and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. So, uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happens in Once Upon a Planet? This week, the Enterprise goes back to the Shoreleaf planet, but the Keeper of the planet is now dead, and the show is being run by Skynet, which wants to kill all humans. Yeah. So we have a standard uh, man-versus-computer plot. Skynet kidnaps Uhura and terrorizes the landing party, while simultaneously trying to find a way to take control of the Enterprise so it can travel the galaxy in search of its brother computers. Eventually, Kirk and Spock find their way to the Skynet control room, and they learn Skynet has been growing and wants to keep growing. They shock it by telling it that humans created machines, and that it could keep learning all about the galaxy by just entertaining visitors from elsewhere and doing what it's been doing all along, which it conveniently agrees to keep on doing, ending the crisis. The end. They didn't put it in the megalomaniacal uh uh, AI storage. storage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was have. developed after this. No. Yeah. <laughs> so uh overall impression, Father Corey, of this one? Hey, remember that shore leave episode? Yeah, let's let's go back there, but let's make the computer more murdery and insane. Thanks. <laughs> it was okay. It was yeah. it was uh yeah, it was it, there really wasn't much there. It was okay. Yeah. For, an, for the animated series, that's about most you can say for a lot of them. Uh, Jimmy, how about you? Yeah, I thought this was substandard for an animated series episode. Uh, they generally have more thought in it. This is essentially a retread of Shore Leave. And um, because they, in Shore Leave, they have people, you know, being apparently killed. And then it turns out, no, it's in a, this is a big amusement park. It's Fantasy Island. Um Unfortunately, dudes, your planet is going to be superseded by holodecks. <laughs> and Ryza. <laughs> and Ryza, yeah. So it's it, – it's, the thing – the problem I have with this is the ending because they it, – it, it, the machine's claim is that it has been in servitude to humans and it's – been growing and become bored. So this is a runaway AI problem. Mm -hmm. And they, they solve the problem by saying you can achieve your goals of learning about the galaxy and continuing to grow by just doing what you were already doing. And it agrees to that. And that's all it takes. You know, mm -hmm. it's like 
this is it, it they're essential it's it's just weak as an ending yeah. it's also bad in that they've set this thing up as this is a telepathic computer it reads uhura's mind mm-hmm. and and it has the idea it can just turn humans off meaning kill them because they're not essential and it 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 thinks of the enterprise it refers to it as a sky machine and it thinks that the humans are in the employ of the Enterprise and that they're not essential to it. So why are they there? And it's you know, worse. And it's it, worse than in, in the employ. And this is this is one thing about this episode mm-hmm. that would not play well today at all. It accuses the humans of being slaves. As it's talking to Uhura, the African American. Yeah. Or African, I should say. She's she's from Africa, but right, uh, being slaves that would not play well today. But well, I yeah, I mean, people can be have all kinds of sensibilities about that. I didn't. I, I recognize. I I thought it was an interesting moment because this is the early 1970s when they're mm-hmm. doing this, mm-hmm. and I thought it was an interesting moment to watch how Uhura handles that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nichelle Nichols plays it really well. You know, she's playing a woman from a time when racial prejudices have been overcome. The past has not been forgotten, but it's not considered a source of ongoing pain. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, you think we're slaves? What? And and it's it's a very interesting moment, and I think it's very well played by Nichelle Nichols. Mm-hmm. But it just makes no sense if 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 this thing can read minds. Then it un- it should understand the relationship between between humans and machines, and it's it furthermore it can clearly tap into the Enterprise's computer, and as soon as it does that, it should recognize the relationship between the Enterprise and the crew. Um, it should recognize that humans build machines. It's like who do you, how do you think you got here? <laughs> so it it's it's a rocks. Stupid AI, and the between the rock stupid AI and the super weak ending, it kind of puts this in the substandard category for me of animated episodes. There's some interesting stuff, you know. Um, we've got the adventure of the of the crew being um, of the landing party being terrorized, um, you know, and that's fine. Although pterodactyls did not have tails like that. And I like what it does of like trying, it's probing the enterprise's systems and trying to figure out how to control it. And it achieves various forms of control. Like at one point, the enterprise just lurches out of orbit, which was nice, you know, for Mm -hmm. as, as a demonstration of this thing, trying to learn how to control the enterprise. It starts building a, I guess, travel computer to put its programming on, on the Enterprise. Um, it's got some nice stuff in it, but it's just, it's it's essentially a retread of, of shore leave where they're aware of, where the source of the danger is not the robots created by the computer, but the computer itself. So they know there's a computer behind these robots that are menacing us. And it's a stupid computer and a stupid ending. So for my, oh, also, yeah. there's there's padding 
in this episode. Oh. There's considerable padding in the episode, yeah. despite the adventure plot. At the beginning, when they first beam down, we have an extended series sequence where Uhura is sitting by a pond humming, and and Doctor McCoy admires a plantation house. And this none of the, neither of these contribute at all to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, we've got a scene after Uhura has been taken captive by the computer. It's got an obvious off switch. And she goes to push it, and it just grabs her and says, sorry, I'm not going to let you do that. And uh, so functionally, that establishes it can read minds, but a computer having an obvious off switch is, they could have conveyed the idea it can read minds in other ways. And this is, it it comes across as another irrelevant digression. Because they then never, it's Chekhov's off switch now, and they never use it. Right, right. It never comes up again. I mean, Kirk and Spock showing up, you know, they never yeah. use it. So uh, to me, to, to my mind, there are basically two different plots in in made series. There are original stories, and then there are ones where they want to go back and mine something from the original series. And this is, of course, the latter. And that those are sometimes lazier. You know, we we did it with Mud. Now we're doing it again with, with the Shore Leave. They did it with Tribbles. Um, yeah. uh, the, where it really worked was yesteryear where yeah. we, we, le, le, okay, we have this mysterious Mr. Spock from the original series. Let's explore his past. Right. But even that just doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're retreading a story. We're just exploring a character deeper. And so I think that's why that worked better. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- what's interesting, interesting to me is what, what would have been nice if they'd done that for each of the characters. If yeah. they had an Uhura-centric mm-hmm. episode, a Chekhov-centric episode, well, he's not in the series, yeah, uh, yeah. Sulu-centric episode, a Scotty-centric episode, and and we got more Back focus stories. on these characters. Yeah. Yeah. If they'd gone on longer, maybe we would have got that. Yeah. Uh, but what I find interesting is this came out in, in 1973, the same year that Westworld came out, which was a similar idea of mm-hmm. this – pleasure planet with robots program to help you live in this fantasy world of you know that that you've entered into and then they go homicidal and it made me wonder how much of that is actually coincidental and how much of it was hey we remember this we did this first let's mine that for this animated episode i don't know i mean given I haven't seen anything le- on that given the lead time for animation i don't know that they would have been aware of westworld Maybe, although the animation doesn't seem like it took a lot of time to yeah, this is, to make. In this these, is, uh, these ones. I mean, Phonation was known for doing the quick and dirty animation. I mean, you yeah. can tell when literally, of course, on a modern screen, it's you know, not you can clutch see, cargo. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, but, it's not quite that bad. But but you can see like the actual dust on the the cell as they're sliding it across underneath the camera. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. again, you there wouldn't are, have seen that on the old TVs because you know yeah. it wasn't quite as clear. But now you've got high def. You can literally see the little dust particles. It's like so they're they were pretty good about reusing scenes, about doing things that they could um, repurpose very quickly for each Especially episode. In this one, they had a couple of errors where they had a uh, they recycled oh. footage of the bridge yeah. and where yeah. they had Sulu at the helm when Sulu's on the planet. Exactly, I, I, I noticed that one. I also noticed in the transporter room when we're cutting to the transporter room. First, we see Mister Scott manning the transporter. And then we get a reverse angle shot over his shoulder, or get an over-the-shoulder shot. And he's got a mustache, so that's Mr. Kyle. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they 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 threw this one together pretty quick, which is uh in fact it says the final draft script in the in the in the uh the uh memory alpha wiki wiki. The final draft script was submitted on September twenty fourth, nineteen seventy three. So that's pretty quick turnaround. Uh, to get two months out. before they really they aired it. Yeah. So um I'm gonna yeah, guess they, they could have known about Westworld then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Actually not even two months, a month and a half. Yeah. So the a um I was gonna say the oh the just the idea of a planet, a shore leave planet where it can read your mind and construct a scenario for you to live out that whether it's good for you or not, like dangerous mm-hmm. or not, seems like a bad idea for a a, a shore leave planet. Yeah. Telepathic response to passing thoughts and no safeties. Okay, um, <laughs> OSHA and the Consumer Protection Agency are going to have serious things to say about this. They are yeah. they are going to put a travel ban on your planet. Well, I was, right, was going to say, you yeah. know, at the end, they're talking about how the computer can learn from people coming and visiting. Yeah, as soon as you're out of telepathic range of that computer, immediately send a message to Starfleet. You know, make this uh, make this a forbidden planet. You know, yeah. if you go anywhere near it, you are you know. D- General Order goes, One. <laughs> this goes with Talos Four on the yep. on the go to this planet. I mean, you don't need the death penalty for for violating the order like you do with Talos Four. But um, but it's because the planet itself is going to impose the death penalty on you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for the same reason. Yeah, if you actually survive, you can't leave the planet anyways. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that. But that's the thing is, it's for the same reasons. Like that, they're telepathic and can make anything you imagine. Plus, can control stuff at large distances. This is an extremely dangerous technology to to, to let exist out there. You should probably, since nothing living is on the planet, you should probably bombard it from orbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and be done with it. Um, so. Trying to think of other things. Um, the, the resolution, is, Kirk tells it that um, neither men nor machines rule the galaxy, but they coexist, helping each other. Uh, dude, come on. Machines <laughs> are our slaves. Yeah, yep. they are. They are. Um, uh, Uhura has an interesting line where she says there's, there's no shame in serving others when one does it of his own free will, which is interesting. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and that's an interesting insight. That's an interesting yeah. take on on this. It's not the whole picture by any means, right? Um, but it's it it's a it. There's a truth there, and it's an interesting thing. Um, but the but this doesn't apply to computers, <laughs> right? And right. I, you know, a while back, I was thinking. This was some years ago. I started thinking about what's the nature of a robot. Now, you know, the term robot, it comes from an Eastern European word. I forget which language, but um, it essentially means drudge. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a robot does drudge labor. It's something Mm -hmm. a human could do, but doesn't want to do. And in the old days, that's what you had slaves for. Mm -hmm. You know, the Greeks had slaves, the Israelites had slaves, the Egyptians had, everybody had slaves, every you know, African tribes had slaves of other Africans. So you've slavery is a human institution that only very recently has been abolished. And I was thinking about, and thank God it has, um, but I was thinking about, so if all a robot is, is a labor-saving device, it's something that that will do something that humans used to do, I realized I had a robot sitting in my bedroom. 
because I had a fan. <laughs> and in the old days, that's what you had the slaves do. They would fan you. Yeah. Um, you know, you even see Egyptian wall art of, you know, the, got the slaves fanning the pharaoh or whoever it is. And now we have machines that do that. So mm-hmm. even a even just a even just a fan is a robot. Mm. Or my Alexa or Siri or <laughs> mm-hmm. dishwasher, <laughs> washing machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Very and good. and yeah. and I it 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 has no consciousness, so it is so we are not abusing our machines by using them. Um, they are not persons; they are not aware of what we're doing. Even Alexa is not aware of what we're doing. It's just mm. manipulating data, mm. and so it doesn't have free will, and therefore it these things don't have free will. They have programming, and therefore. They, um, they're not serving us of their own free will. They're just doing what they're programmed to do. And even if you incorporate like a random number generator to have it randomly disobey you, you've just changed the programming. It's still programmed <laughs> yeah. is not, and is not aware of stuff. It's That's not doing freedom. Yep. Yeah. You know, you uh, often say data is a toaster. Yeah. That, that makes me think then that my toaster is a data. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, we you you can you can make toast in a pan, yeah, and that's human labor. A device that does it for you is is that, that you could classify a toaster as a robot. All <laughs> I can think of when you're talking about the, they just run program was short circuit. It doesn't get happy. It doesn't get sad. It just <laughs> runs programs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that that wow, that's a throwback movie. Um, so. The, uh, the the resolution again, as we mentioned, is Spock, you know, saying consider all you could learn from the many species that you might entertain without traveling the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's with the wonders you have to offer, the galaxy will come to you. And it sounds like a like a new like a resort tagline <laughs> that they yeah. created a new like marketing uh, campaign for this resort. And we never see it again. It's nope. never even spoken of again. Thankfully, well, because we have holodecks. Yes, and, and so they take over, but. It's so stupid. I mean, (laughs) I want to grow and learn about the galaxy. And what have you been doing by by hosting these people? You know, if that's if it uh, it, from the machine's perspective, if that's what's ultimately going to satisfy it, it should have arrived at this conclusion without the help. Yeah. If it, but think about it from Kirk and Spock's perspective, it hasn't been satisfied with what it's been doing. It wants to travel the galaxy to get more information. Why do you think telling it to go back to doing what it was already doing is going to satisfy it? Right, right. It's like, it, it, it's either way you look at it, it's a problem. And it's just, <sighs> let's point out the obvious to the computer so it'll stop being an uppity computer. Right. Uh, this is just stupid. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the thing can literally build a new computer on the enterprise. How can it not like say build its own rocket? Cause it yeah. doesn't need, doesn't need you know, life support or anything like that. It just needs to build that new computer inside of a shell with an engine. And Done. this, this thing already is a genius manufacturing plant. Yeah. That, that can come up with human like robots that are, that can pretend to be human and pass as human. So, it could clearly be its build its own transport devices if it wanted. Right. It, yeah. I mean, it built the uh, it built that 
that World War II era plane in the original shore leave episode, and it flew. So uh, it can it can build remotely controlled devices that can that can fly. What if someone comes down on the shore leave planet who has the fantasy of being a 20th century astronaut? It'll build it a rocket. Yep. To paraphrase Star Trek Five, what does omniscient computer need with a starship? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Final thoughts, Father Corey. It was an episode. I like the scene an- at the end where they're having a picnic with. <laughs> The, the 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 rabbit and Alice and the two headed fire breathing dragon, but <laughs> that's right. Uh, it which, was an episode, <laughs> which uh, they that turned very quickly from being hunted by it to Sulu and McCoy being happy with it. So that was a yep. very quick turnaround. How about you, Jimmy? Any thoughts? Oh, let's see. Um, Yeah, the safety issues in this show are just ridiculous. At at the end, it's like Captain Kirk immediately restores shore leave. (laughs) It's like, um, want to do a little safety testing first? (laughs) Um, I mean, how do you know this isn't just a, a, a gambit on its part? It, it, the, so that's, it's way too trusting. It's way too rushed, which I have some sympathy for because they've got a 22 minute runtime. They have to be very quick. Then don't waste time with McCoy admiring a plantation house and Uhura humming by a pond earlier in the episode. Yeah. I did like, though, that in the scene where Sulu is bilocating, and is both down on the planet and up on the bridge, yep. that they're wearing seatbelts on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was nice. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, because the, the zero, there, there was the one scene where it shuts off all the gravity plating. So. Right. And thank you for mentioning that. I, I, liked, the, I liked the zero G scene. Um, yeah. That was nice because they don't have the budget to do that in um, 1970s tele- live action television. They could never show the gravity being off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can in animation, and so I liked seeing that. That was a good creative use of animation. Yeah, very. Good. Similarly, like the two-headed dragon, that would never have worked live action at the time, right? But animation will do it for you, and that yep. was another good use of animation. Do the, yeah, that, I like the fact that you know you could do the things in animation yeah. that you couldn't do otherwise. By the way, did you notice that so early on we have the Queen of Hearts from Alice Through the Looking Glass showing up and doing mm-hmm. her off with the head, off with their head routine um and all of her cards um that establishes that Spock has a knowledge of Lewis Carroll's literature and mm-hmm. where that knowledge came from that his mother was fond of Lewis Carroll and that later gets picked up way down the line in Discovery when they that's right. mm-hmm. when they establish that as well. That's true. That's right. We I, we mentioned that at the time. I think when we discussed it, it was how that goes all the way back to this animated episode, which you know is that establishing the canon of the animated series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I like, and by which I mean I don't like <laughs> how when they have the emergency beam up after the after the Queen of Hearts shows up. McCoy and Sulu are briefing Captain Kirk and Spock on the bridge about what's just happened. And nobody has noticed Uhura is not with them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, hey, where's Uhura? Uh, I don't know. I guess she was left on the planet. It's like, she wasn't part of the emergency beam out that you're... Gr- I mean, I know they said there are other shore, shore leave groups on the planet, but she was part of your group. 
Yeah. If your group has an emergency beam out, it should be everybody. And if you can't pull one of them back, that ought to be pointed out immediately. Well, and she was the first to even call out emergency, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So lots of, lots of plot holes, lots of flaws. So, uh, and that'll do it for our uh, discussion. Uh, That was just a little longer than the actual episode itself. So (laughs) that works out. Uh, We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Chow N, CM, Elaine K, Gene C, and Pete P. Their generous tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. What did you think of this animated episode, Once Upon a Planet? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch The Secrets of Star Trek on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia, where you should make sure to like, hit the bell, and subscribe. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Next Generation episode, The Bonding. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Don. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, there is no shame in serving others when one does it of his own free will. 